we're connected, Paul. Pot that down. You're playing the whole song. So, uh, good morning, kids. Uh, here we go off on. We did get connected. We got no ambient noise in the background, of course. Uh, we did finally get connected here. First shot this morning. That's a nice change from yesterday. Uh, and today is the Wednesday edition of the Radio Ranch. It's the 18th. I believe that's right. Yep, 18th of January. Boy, January's just a little bit from getting out of here this year. Um, Roger Sales, your host. Hello, hello. Well, yeah. Flush the toilet. Flush the toilet for us, would you? Uh, let's see. Uh, it's uh, Roger Sales, your host here, and we're of course broadcasting. Simulcasting is the correct broadcast term uh, on Eurofolkradio dot com and Radio dot Global Voice Radio dot net. I think I got all the formalities out of the way there, Paul. Uh, so we'll launch into the Wednesday edition and see what's going on here. I guess the first announcement that I would like to make is, you know, I've never listened to this guy's show. I've been hearing his name for a long time. Uh, his name's Ron Avery. Uh, he's over on RBN twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday for an hour. And, uh, I guess through Murr and some other people and and uh, agitating him or whatever. I think he's got a broadcast partner, too, that's not really up on what we're doing. But anyway, uh, he uh, wrote me an email last night and asked me to come on his show. So uh, I sent him back a reply this morning, and we've got, I guess, if, it, if my offer is accepted, which I figure it will be, uh, it'll be next Thursday. Now, uh, these guys were on Avery, you know, Brian Howard, who is one of our better students. Brian doesn't hang around with us too much anymore or at all anymore for whatever reasons. Um, Brian cut his teeth on this guy, Ron Avery. And, uh, my information secondhand from other people is he's got quite a legal background. He's argued cases in front of the Texas Supreme court or maybe the Supreme court. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, he's more of a traditional legal guy and is not privy or aware of what we're doing and the things we've discovered and the things we apply. And so that should be a pretty good show. I don't know how much we're going to get covered in an hour on RBN with the spot breaks that they run. Uh, It's not too much time to sink your teeth into this, as you guys know. But, uh, my thoughts were if he's, if we get along, all right, um, hopefully we will. I don't like to have antagonistic relationships with people. Uh, But if we get along all right, maybe I can, because an hour is just not enough, maybe I can invite him over on the Sunday night show, him and his uh, sidekick there, um, and we can have more time to flesh all this out. So anyway, that's coming up. Should be kind of exciting. Um, Otherwise than that, just... Pretty normal, nice lunch yesterday, and I was telling the guys for and girls before we got on the air here, had a pretty in-depth conversation with two uh, Islamists. One is a guy that 
lives here. He's from Morocco. He's a, he's a really sharp young man. Uh, and uh, uh, the other was a friend that he went. He, he said, I, I don't go to the mosque. And I went to the mosque, and I met this guy. And he's here visiting for a week, and he's uh, from Lebanon and lives in California. I'm not sure of his political status there, resident or whatever. Didn't get into that. Uh, but anyway, we had a really nice conversation about well, Lebanon and Israel and all the crap that's gone on and, uh, you know, the Islamic culture and the Koran and all kinds of stuff like that. They, I was, I don't, I don't know why I was surprised, but I brought up Sabbatize V and Sabbateanism, and neither one of them were familiar with that. So maybe I can add a new wrinkle to their understanding there. That's pretty important information and very hidden, obviously. Uh, so anyway, nice lunch, good day. Uh, and here we are on Wednesday, middle of the week. So I trust you all are doing all right this morning. We had a very brisk show yesterday. Got into Quickly want to get away from us. Okay. Go ahead, TP. You got something? No, I'm just saying how quickly January wants to get away from us. Oh yeah, it, it gets. You know, every year it seems like man, you blink your eye and uh, and January's out of here. I remember it was about three years ago. It was three years ago, right at the end of January or the first of February. I I could go back and find it, but it was a Friday show, and had Brent on, and that was right when COVID was breaking. And I remember at the end of the show, as we were closing out, where's all that noise coming from? Please, please quit shuffling stuff, okay? I remember at the end of the show, uh, I told Brent and the audience, said, watch out for this, for this flu story because it's really got legs, man. By Monday, it was full-blown, okay? So that's just one, one thing I remember about January a couple of years ago. Ah, uh, boy, we've been in hell ever since in one way, shape, or another. But it is turning on these guys. Uh, very interesting. Obviously, half of the half of the A guest list didn't show up at, D, at Davos. Uh, evidently, they're visibly kind of panicked a little bit. Um, I, I think I've been saying for a long time these guys have already lost. I was saying that on a deduction from the monetary system and situation here a couple of years ago with the repo activity that was going on at the end of Trump. I said, these guys have already lost. Okay. And it's just panning out. It's just going to take a little bit, a little bit of time. And obviously they're all in at this point and, uh, they can't afford to lose. They know it better than we do. Okay. So anyway, yep, it's pretty nutty. So yesterday we got into a whole bunch of uh, detailed stuff, not exactly the show that I like to do because I'd rather concentrate on concepts. But, uh, we, you know, okay, you have to dig into the weeds occasionally, and that's kind of where we spent a lot of yesterday's show. Uh, hey, Roger. Yes. Just so, just so we could finish off on the, on the whole thing with the Davos thing, did you watch the Savannah Hernandez interview? I where did. She was- I did. Did you see that she was interviewing that guy? And he was like, we don't even get snow up here. Right, and she right. looked at him like he was crazy. There's snow on the ground and up in the mountain. Right. And he was a young, he wasn't a, he was just a young guy who, some guy there, a young guy in his twenties. I took it. So that, to that, that extent is how they've got these kids programmed. 
Okay, I mean you're in. They showed a, a clip of Rebel News, and it was actually snowing, big flakes and stuff, you know. And uh, these people are just, well, they're just out there, man. I don't know if there's anything you can do to help them at that stage. Okay, it's crazy. Well, it is nuts. They they've done unbelievable jobs on their mental facilities, you know. And when somebody's right, right. that far gone, you, 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 there's nothing you can do for them except pray for them. Yeah. The other thing that's uh, missing there is the Russians and the Chinese. Oh, they're not there either. Well, I'm sure the Russians aren't. The Chinese didn't show up either? Very few, from what I understand. Uh, I guess the last go-around there was all of the billionaires uh, doing trying to do promote business and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they, not, they're not wealthy they're enough. Not they need they need some more money. They're only worth you know billions. <laughs> so interesting. Uh, you can see it. You can kind of see it. The fabric falling off of the uh, off of the structure, can't you? Yeah, and then and then you have them all driving. You know petrol-powered automobiles, and then you ask them, well, why aren't you driving your electric cars? Because they won't make it up the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They're getting exposed everywhere, and it's starting to cave in on them. And, uh, right. Biblically, their time's coming, okay? Um, so anyway, that obviously is interesting and we'll continue to keep up with it. And of course they required all of their pilots in the over a thousand flights to get there to be non-jabbed, but they want you to fly on a jab plane. The FAA, we might have Daryl check in on this. Uh, there was a lot of discussion and I saw, uh, who was it? A flight surgeon interviewed on uh, Tucker Carlson last night, an army flight surgeon, female. Uh, about the FAA has changed their parameters on their heart tests for the physicals for pilots. And they've raised, I'm not sure the metric, but it was, uh, uh, they raised the top end from 200 of the test. You got a range from something, something to 200 and they've raised that to 300. So there's no other reason for that except for letting jab pilots fly. Okay. And uh, so again, their little their little scam is backfiring on them, uh, which you know it always happens to them. They they do fraud. They lie, 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 lie to, and then finally their lies are exposed, and it doubles back on them and catches them. This is the 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 format throughout history on how these guys have lost. Okay, and they I think they thought they'd learned this time because they've done it so carefully over such a long period of time, the gradualism approach. But even that's failing them, okay? So uh, interesting. We can help put the pressure on, obviously, and that's, I, I, I appreciate that that's what we're doing and all of y'all. Uh, but now they're starting to get their hair up on their back uh, about us, which tells you that uh, we're having an effect up there. You know, uh, 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 our our buddy from uh, Orlando uh, called Dave, I think, called in and said his conversation with the passport office here a while back. And the, the guy volunteered, said, we're getting so many of these, they're having to train, have special classes on training people how to do this correctly. Well, if they're, if they're getting that many, they're having to have special classes 
you know they're getting concerned with what we've seen from the consular news liaison service, whatever, some obscure department of the State Department. Uh, Abram, you're on with us this morning, right? I thought I heard you a minute ago. What, Abram? Okay, Abram wrote me an email this morning. Uh, we were going to discuss. Some yes, stuff. I'm here. Oh, there you are. Hey, Abram. So you wrote me an email. I got an email from you this morning. You're shuffling stuff around there. Uh, I got an email from you this morning, and uh, you received a denial of FOIA? Yep. Okay. It's uh yeah, tell the audience. Tell the audience basically what you told me in the email. We'll discuss it. Okay. Uh, let me flip the email real quick. Now you did. This I is said. an official FOIA request that you sent to the FOIA officer at the State Department, and this consular news service has given you a reply, right? Well, um, I question whether it's a legit FOIA. So you know, there's a FOIA form, but the State Department also has on their website their own particular form that you're supposed to use for State Department requests and passport requests. Right. And I think it has a slightly different, it's the form that has uh, all kinds of amateurish uh, typos and, and, and formatting errors on it. So it, that's an official form. That's an official form on the State Department website with typos in it? So they say. Uh, yep. It even has the, uh, the without uh, jurat on it, you know, for the United States of America. Oh, really? The, uh, yeah. Boy, that's interesting. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, well, so I'll read the letter real quick. It says, uh, good morning, Roger. The U.S. State Department has manufactured a new form letter that's intended to deny FOIA requests. Delivered as a single document inside a full-size manila envelope. Please see the attached for details. $1.20 was paid for postage. Uh, it was sent from the same office as the bluff letter with the same crossed-out detail in the return address. Also, I received a copy of the bluff letter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, both were postmarked on the same day and stamped for postage paid. Uh, the bluff letter's envelope return address appears to be added to the document with a rubber stamp on it. The rubber stamp didn't apply ink evenly, so they tried to manually darken it with a pencil. See the attached and large photo. And so I sent you a photo, and it's obviously been manually touched up. And I said, I'm beginning to question whether we're actually dealing with the U.S. State Department with these bluff letters. Now, I've been thinking uh, that for a while as I responded to right. you. Go ahead. Uh, so I can read the letter here. It says, uh, uh, Dear Abram, this letter is in response to your FOIA request dated December 21, 2022, uh, concerning your submission of citizenship evidence. So, And it's good to point out that uh, that key word, that's what they use. Yes. As communicated... Yeah. As communicated by you or to you by letter on November seventh, per the bureau. All right. Bureau, now, what does that tell you? What does that tell you right there? They're looking at your administrative file, right? And and the document that they sent that they have a copy of in our administrative file. So they're referencing their own letter as communicated to you well, by it, letter. It, didn't they? Didn't they just answer your FOIA? Well, no, well, they denied it. I mean, they, they did indirectly. No, 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 right. no. They like, denied uh, the FOIA. Did they denied your FOIA? But they answered that it's in your administrative file. Right. As communicated to you by letter. Yes. Yeah, so they say, okay. Well, we responded to your. Uh, says uh, per the Bureau of Consular Affairs, there's no way to add documents to a passport record of a U.S. citizen that has already been issued a passport. You weren't asking no them to do that. This, no, again, again. 
you're submitting an affidavit to be put in your administrative file, and they're turning around and saying you, they're asking you've asked them to add it to your passport, which I know you didn't do. Right, I did not. So the last line of this paragraph says, "As such, no documents that you submitted were added to your passport file." Right. So well, everything that they say presupposes their their. Uh, my God, that's uh, ridiculous! What yep. circular? That's just total circular logic. Yep. Well, that's all they have. They're uh, at the end of the rope. Okay. Well, uh, you know, um, interesting. You see, you've got an, you've got more ammunition in your box, Abram. Okay. Take them to court. Well, I mean, take them to court. Yeah. Take a file if you want to do this, and I know it takes time, and I understand what's involved. This is a simple court action, though. And now you're the the moving party, and they're the defendant. Okay? So it switches horses here, all right? Take them. Consider. I'm not going to tell you to do it. I'm going to say consider it if you want to press the envelope here. Consider taking them to district court and blowing them off of that thing. The courts will rule in your favor in FOIA. If you don't believe me, go look at Judicial Watch, okay? Judicial Watch does everything on FOIAs, and they end up taking a bunch of them to court. I think it's a great idea. Okay. So, you see, I don't think that's an official response from the FOIA officer. I Well, it's from their uh, outsourced... Uh, you know, no, no, no. I didn't uh, send it to the outsource liaison division. Yeah, I, I exactly. sent it to the FOIA officer, which is mandated under law to do this or else I've got an additional remedy. What's the next step in my administrative appeal? If you won't answer this and give me the information I'm legitimately, legally, and lawfully requesting, I'm going to take your sorry asses to district court and get it another way. I'm writing this down, and you're right. Okay. So, see, you got more ammunition. They're already petered out. Look at this pitiful crap they're sending us. Yeah. There's more circular arguments uh, for the final paragraph. It's pretty short. Or I guess this is one more longer paragraph, but uh, uh, it says, Consequently, a FOIA request for any documents you submitted outside of the initial passport application process would result in no records being retrieved. Holy Since we've already explained that no additional records were added to your file, we will thus not conduct a search for your records that we know do not exist within your passport file. What? Accordingly, your FOIA request will not be processed. Sincerely. Yep. So this is a lawsuit. Well, yeah, that or else no I contact the FOIA officer and say, this is not coming from you. I did not ask anybody to to add paperwork to an existing passport. I asked that my citizenship evidence be firmly and permanently placed in my administrative file. So the first response you might do is back to the FOIA officer and go, do you know this is going on here? Right. Well, uh, if uh, Kelly Robinson, they're uh, uh Chief Requester Liaison Division uh, Officer. And it's not signed either. No, of course not. Uh, no, okay. Now, in, in, yeah, hold on just a second. And knowing more about and this. And they sent it to do me you, do you on guys, January 6th. Do you guys see <laughs> oh, how appropriate? Do you guys see how what a weak piss 
position they've got here and how they're deploying this? I mean, this is weak piss stuff, folks, right here. Okay. So I guess well, I guess we're going to have to sit down and draft that letter to Mrs. Robinson so that all of y'all can barrage her with it. I I keep I continue to think about it every day. I think about it every day, okay? And uh I guess it's maybe time to move on that and see if we can put these people in their place. This is like some spin-off of the Southern Poverty Law Center up there or some crap. Okay? Speaking of, get this. Where did I hear this last night? I don't remember. Talking about, oh, I think it was Owen Stroyer. Talking about the documents found at, you know, on this Biden thing, they found documents all over the place, okay? They found them in the car, in the garage with his Corvette, for one. But the main one is they found up at Penn State. University of Pennsylvania, I think, Penn, I don't know if it's Penn State or, or you know, I think it's University of Pennsylvania. So Biden opens up a Biden vice presidential office or some up there. Okay. You know how these guys like to do their little stuff, you know, and he opens up a vice president, some sort of an office where they found a bunch of these damning documents up there. And it was when he opened up that office that Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars started pouring into the University of Pennsylvania from anonymous or at least unidentified or obscure Chinese. Okay? So he opens up the office where he's hiding these documents and they're found. All of a sudden, at the university, he starts getting incredible amounts of money donated. And I'm not sure if the money went straight to him or went to the university. I don't know those details, but that's not the point. Guess who ran that operation at the University of Pennsylvania and Biden's satellite office there, folks? I'm entertaining guesses here. Jerry Sandusky. Nope. I'm waiting. Hunter. Hunter Biden. Hunter. Hey, hey, Pat. No, Hunter didn't run it. You're going to be shocked when I tell you. I was pretty shocked. Anthony Anthony Blinken. Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I mean, when, when Owen dropped uh, that last night, I just about fell out of my chair. Okay. Anthony Blinken ran Biden's University of Pennsylvania office with all the mysterious donations from Chinese. These folks are going down, people. All we got to do is spread the message and continue the pressure. We do our part. Everybody else is doing their part on vaccines and on all the corruption and uh, all this other stuff. And, uh, they're going down, folks. Okay, we got the final. We got the final stake to drive in their heart. Okay, and I don't know when it's going to be, but I know at some point in the future we're going to hit one of these big platforms with this information. And when we do, look out. Okay. Well, they're practicing their FOIA denials. 
already. So I, I just I'm yeah. I'm shocked. I mean, Abram, listen, I was kind of surprised as I've think thought about it and dwelled on this Robinson letter for a couple of months now, but I'm shocked at what they sent you on this FOIA thing yesterday. They are very, very concerned about this. And if their actions don't tell you, you're not very aware how these people do things. Roger? Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm a little confused. Isn't a FOIA request? Wasn't he re- Abram requesting to get um, the facts that he has that stuff in his file? And he Correct. Wasn't requesting Correct. In his file? Correct. And evidently, when you send that FOIA, they shuffle it over to this satellite office and get that kind of a piss-poor response back. I was just about to send the FOIA. Well, good. Hey, look, paper, paper these bastards over. Paper them over. You know, there's an old saying in the Patriot community, make a tyrant act like a tyrant. Make a tyrant act like a tyrant. Hold their feet to the fire. I think the location that they've asked us to send these to is this uh, uh, modified address. This age slash GIS slash IPS. No, your response doesn't go to them. Your response goes to the FOIA officer. That's who you sent your request to. This is coming from some satellite office with some BS crap in there about you uh, stating that you did something you didn't do. Well, on the State Department uh, FOIA request form, it says to send it to this location. Oh, it to change the. the uh, I'm pretty sure that. I would just make a suggestion and send it to the State Department and CC that satellite office. Yeah, that's a good idea. No, the satellite office is not the FOIA officer. Well, I think they might have moved right, the, I think the, uh, the mailing address that they use. Well, it could be. You guys are going to have to look into that. you got the correspondence. Right. But, Abram, that's what I'd yep. suggest that you do is, is first of all, shoot back to the FOIA officer. I contacted you. I'm getting this from these other people over here that doesn't say it's your FOIA officer. And, and, and they're making statements of which I did not do. I didn't ask for anything to do with the passport or adding anything to anything. If I was going to do a passport, I'd follow your instructions and attach documentation like I'm instructed to do. I wouldn't send it in and ask you to attach something that's already existing. All I asked you for was the citizenship evidence and these questions in my administrative file, and I get back this garbage. In essence, I mean, you know, obviously you're not going to put that down, but that's, you know what I'm talking about. It's garbage. But uh, very interesting that they do that. They're getting desperate on this, folks. And really, again, the letter, this, this reply they sent you back proves that they're in possession of your citizenship evidence, doesn't it? They're at a minimum filing you know, documenting that they're responding. In well, some, they wouldn't have responded some, uh, unless they'd wow. received it. Right. Okay. So we'll go back and quote. I'd go back and, and put that case in from 1835. Hello, we're at the Calliope. From 1835, uh, saying whatever paperwork is in the possession of the secretary. Well, obviously it's in the possession of the secretary or his delegate, or else they wouldn't be replying to that letter, would they? Right. Okay. So, see, we got these people by the short hairs, folks. 
you're seeing a desperate struggle of them being caught in a corner and not knowing what to do because they've been caught red-handed slaving. Red-handed. This is the best they've got. Obviously, this is the best they've got, isn't it? It appears to be a circular argument. Pretty, pit, pretty piss poor position they're in right now. They never expected anybody to figure this out, folks. Dave said so. What's his uh, Colonel House said House. it. Said if anybody yeah. ever figures it out, we got plausible deniability. Oh no, Colonel House. No, you don't. Sorry. He's a fake colonel. Sorry. You shouldn't call him Colonel House. He's fake. May you may you roast in hell, Colonel House. Sorry, you ain't got no deniability. You've been caught red handed. Caught. Hey Roger. Yes. Is that Joe or Anthony? It's Joe. Hey Joe. I was thinking like some people sent me that letter from uh I forget her name. And I was like looking at it and I noticed that they cut off like uh, the sentence from the 14th Amendment, then they, they ignore uh, t- 21 national always permanent allegiance to a state. Right. Uh, they, they ignore all that stuff. And I, and I was like, well, you could just write a letter back and kind of make it a little comical. Like, oops, <laughs> you kind of missed something here. <laughs> this must I, be embarrassing for you, but you didn't finish the sentence of the 14th Amendment. Right. Uh, and the other thing, oops, you must have missed the one right above this uh, t- of 22B where you're saying that that's the American Samoan. But I'm not claiming to be that right above it. You know, kind of make it like a little like, well, oops, Joe, you must draft, be draft one up for us, buddy. Draft one up <laughs> for right. us. Okay. I, I did make a couple of drafts. Yeah. Yeah, it's pitiful. I mean, it's a really pitiful response. Because, see, and again, that's why I stress you guys learn and have command of the information. Because the people that don't have command of the information, when they get that, they they, they don't know what to do. They don't understand where the holes are. They don't understand what they're doing because they never learned the information. Joe so, has a fantastic video uh, detailing the bluff writer and a response. Oh, do you do, Joe? It's up on Rumble? I think that was, that was somebody sent it to me and I just. Well, you hold on because, man, somebody. Look, these microphones on these cell phones are incredibly sensitive. You know, you heard all day Friday with Brent with the noise coming through, and it was Brent's ear, earbuds and microphone brushing against his shirt. Just a little brush against his shirt caused all that distraction, okay? So. Please try and be conscious of that when you got your mic open. All right. Now, what did you say there a second ago that I didn't hear, Joe? Uh, that my um, the video I think he's referring to is on Telegram. I never put it up on Rumble. Oh, well, you ought to stick it up on it Rumble. Really? Is I, I watched it on Rumble. It was about that letter. I, I have to dig through your videos, but I'm pretty yeah. You you did a video on the bluff letter. I watched it last week on Rumble on your channel. Oh, that's an old one. No, from a long time ago. Oh, a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Hey, Joe, how's, yeah, Mike? I, how's your pal Mike doing up there? That, that was a good video, by the way. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, Mike is doing good. He uh, He's working out what he needs to do with his uh, situation with the IRS and 
I think he's happy with the progress that he's making over there with okay. that. Okay, good. I know we hadn't seen him on the program here in a bit, but I know he works. So he's one of the few people yeah, his, that's actually got a job. So Yeah, he's, his business kind of blew up suddenly, so he's been very busy. Okay, all right. Well, good for him. I guess that's always a good thing. Okay. So uh, where else can we go this morning? Anybody else got any comments on all this discussion we've had here? Yes. Yeah. Hey, Roger, Roger, can you hear me? I hear you fine. Who is it? Hey, Roger. Okay, this is John from upstate New York. Uh, This is a relevant uh, topic today for me because I received the bluff letter from Ms. Robinson uh, recently also. Oh, well, congratulations. And um, it's in response to my um, citizenship evidence that I – Congratulations yep. on them confirming the receipt of your citizenship evidence. <laughs> I guess I don't need to submit a FOIA request. I guess not. Um, what, what I found interesting <laughs> is that it was a hand-addressed yes. letter, yes. and there's yes. no return address. It just says Washington, D.C., you know, 20520. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's initialed by Kelly Robinson. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Um, so, yeah – I mean, my first initial thing is that, you know, uh, it, it it says, you know, uh, I won't read the whole thing. I'm sure everybody's got the same well, thing. You, but, you, you, you know, yeah, it says, uh, please thing. be advised that per the Bureau of Consular Affairs, there's no way to add documents to a passport record of a U.S. citizen that has already been issued as a passport. So I had a pre-existing passport. I filled out my DS-82 uh, after, you know, I I'd submitted my um affidavit and uh, i don't see how that's pertinent to me since uh you know u.s citizen does not um apply to me that's correct so, so uh, no, i guess let me get, you know, john, hold the, on john let me get this straight you got this blanket yeah. letter they sent everybody you already had an existing yeah. passport yeah, and I, I had applied for a renewal with right. the affidavit. So okay. I submitted the affidavit Properly. and the renewal form, Properly. and I got that. I have the passport. I have the passport card. Okay, well, uh, uh, <laughs> they sent it back to you, and then they sent you that letter. Yeah, yeah, I got the letter. Uh, on the t- uh, It was dated well, the 10th of January, so I got it a couple days ago. Okay, well, you may want to go back and say I, I did recently apply for a passport with a, for a passport card, but according to the instructions on the DS-82, I included my statement or my affidavit in that in that package. I, I'm not asking you to add it later. It was included per your instructions. See, this is knee-jerk reaction yeah, from I, these people. They are concerned, folks. They're concerned. Yeah, I'm sure. And so I'm, I'm also in the process of doing the same thing for my two boys, uh, my young boys. Um, I had put on my Christmas list to, to my wife, you know, I'm hoping that uh, you let me um, you know, uh, uh, submit affidavits for them. And, and she said, okay. So she was willing to sign off on those. Fantastic. So I sent those in and I'm going to get passports for them and they don't have existing passports. So I don't see how they could even send me the same letter for them. Well, would, if, um, it'll be interesting. You know, can, now here's another outlet for you. How old are your boys? Uh, one and five. <laughs> Good. Um, you could also go down to the New York Driver's License Division, take their affidavit, okay. 
and go get them a New York-issued state identification and present the affidavit in the process. And now the affidavit will okay. be on, si- on, on file and attached in a database in New York State. Okay. Maybe I'll do both. Okay. Um, so, so I know this has come up before, and I haven't listened to every single uh, time it's come up. But I, you know, as far as uh, a reply goes, um, you know, I just want to um, make sure I apply appropriately. Uh, so I'm just curious, you know, how well, it, um, you're suggesting it, to do that. Well, it'd be nice if we applied appropriately to a correspondence that was sent out inappropriately, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. And and see, here's the problem I've had in, in sitting back and drafting a response is she blanket sends this to everybody. You've asked us to attach documentation to an existing passport. Well, there's some people that got that letter that don't have and haven't applied for a passport. So I got to go in there somehow and tailor a letter for those of you that did, those of you that didn't. And, you know, I got, there's got to be some variations in there. And that's been one of the obstacles I've had in my mind to get over. And I could type one with instructions for you to edit it for your particular situation. And that may be how we handle that. Okay. But whoever's going to be the respondee has to go in and edit the damn letter according to your circumstances. No, not necessarily. They're sending this blanket letter with all of these potential problems with the paperwork that you, you submitted we just need to create a blanket response with like check boxes next to where they screwed up. Please note the indicated uh, errors with your communication below. You know, check here. Well, no, I didn't. No, I don't have a passport. Never did. Check here. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um Possibly. Uh, I'll just have to noodle on this a little bit, maybe put one blanket one out there with some varying paragraphs for whichever one of those circumstances you're in. But the people that mm-hmm. reply are going to have to go in and edit their own thing, okay? And I know with our people, sometimes our people don't do things the way they're supposed to do things, okay? Uh, and so that's been one of the dilemmas I've had with this. Daryl, did I hear you grunting there? Yeah, I was grunting. Yeah, okay. I grunted. Uh, was, it, well, were, was it those grits? I, were those grits you had this morning coming back up or what? No, it was. <clears throat> well, uh, thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm listening to these stories and. You know, I'm getting a little older, but I, I go back to a time when I was in my teens and I was in the military and I was around different people and, and I was a young, very young and naive. And I was around, you know, growing up, you know, in the sixties and seventies, uh, you know, what I hear they're doing here is it's a, it's a circular argument called pill pulling. This is a pill pull. Uh, this is, uh, there's actually, uh, uh, Jews are taught how to do this in synagogue. Uh, how to pill pull. 
And uh, there's another way to describe it. It's called uh, the shuck and jive. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I'm I'm <laughs> as as humorous as it sounds. It's it's actually a, a very a very real thing. Uh, yeah. So pill pulling. Pill pulling is is this okay? Uh, to give you a, uh, you call it you call it uh, you would call it arguing, okay? But what they do is they they, they circular redefine things. Right. So, in other words, for pill pull, yeah, you can you can look this up for yourself. P i l p u l p pill pull p i l p u l. Other words for it, synonyms are dispute, bicker, contention, hassle, controversy, set to, bickering, rhubarb, litigation, borrow. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's, the, it's the first thing a young uh, synagogue attendee who wants to have a future learns how to do is argue. They want to argue with you. They want to argue with you, and then in the course of the argument, we redefine what we're talking about. This is the easiest way to win an argument. Doesn't doesn't mean you're right. Just they want you to go away. Yeah, exactly. They want you to. They want you to concede. They want you to re-trigger your indoctrination and obedience training from some authority uh, of course that's that's obviously not going to work with abram he's he's uh, a contrarian bless his heart i love it i love i love abraham abraham i've never met him abram <laughs> he's a contrarian abram oh, abram. abram okay <laughs> okay he's a contrarian yes he is uh, you have to be a contrarian he doesn't recognize their authority just because they said something you know, it's it's a it's it's an acquired uh, trait, uh, and uh, so uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I just wanted to I just wanted to put that in perspective a little bit. They're trying to shuck and jive you into uh, accepting what you've always done or what everybody most for the most part has always done, and so you know what. Nothing, nothing, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? So, uh, I mean, it's exactly. I don't, it's a, I don't have anything. I, it, the the yeah. response, these letters from Mrs. Robinson are just blatantly see through, defend, totally defensive with no stance reactions. I mean, it's so obvious. But it, it, it is their little trick of just trying to buffalo you and gloss over and move forward. Well, we're not going to let them do that. Okay. Hey, Daryl, I might, uh, I might, uh, use that phrase in my response that I say, you know, it, uh, I'm disappointed that you've tried to use this shuck and, shuck and jive maneuver with me. That's a good, yeah. Pulling. Put, put, rub yep. their nose in it, Abram. Rub their nose in right. it. I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. I have a method of uh, snipping them in the bud before they even send it. I'll keep you guys posted on how it pans out. Okay. But I put it at the very top of my cover letter, not to be construed as a request to attach to an existing passport. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That'll, that'll cut them off at the pass. 
So I'll, I'll let yeah, you guys know idea. if I get a letter or not. <laughs> Just okay. take the whole passport equation out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, explicitly some of the people say, will add I am them. explicitly not requesting any information right. concerning a passport application or information that could be in the passport. <laughs> right. Well, you know, your friend John, his wife, got had submitted a naked affidavit. Her passport's been expired for 15, 20 years. Okay. And she got one of those back. Oh, so God. there are several people that are in that condition that have gotten one of these that have never even applied, have never even had a passport or applied for one. Yeah, it's bad comedy. Well, to me, it shows. Go ahead and send you a passport. (laughs) These people are desperate, folks. Tell them, them, go ahead and send me a passport. I didn't apply for one, but you're doing it for me, so go ahead and send it to me free. (laughs) I'm tempted to. They're sure not going to do that. Of of the uh, information, the, the documents that I sent to the State Department with my FOIA request, say, I'm looking for your copy of these. (laughs) Uh, I think I told you all I put a declaration in this passport renewal I just put in the mail Monday, Monday. Uh, And I didn't want to go through the problem of getting it notarized because I'm here, you know, here and and going through or go to Quito and go to the embassy or some crap. I wasn't going to do all that. So I just put a declaration in there and signed it and included it. Uh, But they've been getting those from me since 27. Okay, that's the first time I applied for a passport with the old affidavit that John and Glenn did for us, you know, that uh, that I submitted. Uh, but this time I just sent them a single page with our new little abbreviated uh, declaration on it. So we'll see. We'll see if they give me any problems. I don't ex- I don't expect any. Yes. Well, I'm you know, I was in the same boat. You know, I tried to get id here first of all before i even went to for a passport right and i couldn't get one you know i tried everything and um they refused to give me one so i'm perfectly fine with you know if they pull me over or whatever and say hey you don't have any id and i said yeah give me the ticket whatever I'll, i'll go to court because i can prove that you wouldn't give me one when That's I tried right. to get one. And then uh, they sent me, I got the Robinson letter as well. And by the way, I did a declaration like you're doing, and I still got my passport card. Um, but I also sent in uh, a declaration before I applied for my passport. But then I also uh, attached a declaration to my passport a request, passport card request. So the letter only states they can't apply to an existing passport. So they didn't say anything about the declaration that I had already sent in. But the point I'm getting to is that um, that they're saying that I can't apply it toward a passport, but I didn't have a passport because anything I tried to use my expired passport for wasn't uh, accepted. As, or was an acceptable form of identification. Well, you know, and that's Nobody strange. Would there, accept that. There's a there's a bone of contention right there because evidently, even an expired passport can be used as ID. It can't be used as an active passport, but it should be able to be accepted as ID. 
It can't. It, well, every I tried to use that to get my local ID here, and it was not acceptable. It wasn't acceptable for anything I tried to get established ID for. Um, were they so, re- were they requiring it to be current? Was that their reason yes. that it was expired and they wouldn't accept it? Right. Huh. And not only that, but mine was severely expired. I mean, it was over the limit to oh. use for a renewal. Uh-huh. So in every any way, shape, or form, their own dictates required that I had an existing passport that wasn't beyond their time frame. So the letter doesn't make any sense in any way, shape, or form because it didn't address my first declaration. Uh, it addressed that I was it can't apply towards uh, an existing passport, but I didn't have an existing passport. I mean, technically, I had had a passport before, but I didn't have an existing passport. I had an existing expired passport. Right. So there's all kinds of legal loopholes here. But there's one last thing I want to say, and that's that um, I kind of look at this a little bit differently. And, well, not necessarily, but the, the potentially that it's just total disregard for the law that they don't care at all. They're just sending out whatever because they're, they're, you know, being who they are. They don't have, Um, they don't have any other options. See, this is their only other option other than stand mute. Okay. And I think what they're trying to cover up here is the fact that you can volunteer out of the system without applying for a passport. They're in receipt of your naked affidavits is generating this letter to a lot of people that hadn't even applied for a passport, but they're using that as an excuse to basically say, well, we can't file your, your uh, statement of citizenship evidence by itself, which is totally incorrect. Okay. Well, I'm in a more unique situation, I think, than most people because I have uh, four people from the courthouse, three clerks, and one judge that know that I submitted this stuff. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I can, uh, I have that to fall back on. Well, why don't, why don't um, you go see if they'll write an affidavit for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, uh, the, the whole thing just, it, it it reeks to me of them just being having total disregard, not that they're scared rabbits, but they're just total absolute disregard. Like, Hey, we're in power. You're not. And therefore we're just going to mess with you and lead you down the primrose trail and, um, just jerk us along. So I um, understand that, but if they weren't concerned, they wouldn't be doing this. I mean, I've been doing this for 12 Roger. years, man. N- nothing like this has ever happened to this point. They're getting concerned up there. I'm not saying they're running like scared rabbits, but they're concerned or else they wouldn't be doing this. Their actions, to me, denote their concern. Well, that or they're delaying Roger. for something. That's the point I was trying to make. They're 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 holding they're they're doing these things until something else happens when they know that the final. 
um, whatever is in, and, and the final fix is in. Anyhow, I, I yield. Somebody else okay. trying to talk. So, All right. Thanks, Ken. Just wanted to say that. All Thanks. Right. All right. Uh, yeah, who was trying to inject um, something there? Yeah. Uh, should we go ahead and um, notify the, the uh, Postmaster General? Well, you could. You could. Paper and, uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, Jeff, you still with us? <laughs> we'll bring our retired postal employee here. Jeff, yeah, what's the question? Should we go to the Attorney General of the Post Office saying they're sending out no. frivolous fi- mailings? <laughs> she's a Postmaster General. Postmaster General. Yeah. Yep. Sure, why not? Can we complain? <laughs> complain to the Postal Inspectors and the uh, Postmaster General. You know, it's a- Put some pressure on them from another angle. Of course, the post office is pretty corrupt, too. But, um, you know, throw paper at them, folks. Uh, That's why I insist on y'all becoming educated here. You pretty well know how to answer this. Uh, But we'll just continue to throw paper at them, I guess. And if we do get this reply going, which I guess we're going to need to sit down and do, it gives us another chance to shove that affidavit. And also, this time, we'll include the uh, two pages of court findings that U.S. citizens are property of the federal government. And include that in, and they got to put this in your administrative file when you reply back. <laughs> They've got notations of when they sent you stuff, as Abram informed us. So anyway, it's an interesting little situation. It's kind of like a cat and mouse thing. And uh, here, in, they're the mouse. Okay. And you triggered another thought. Um, they replied back to, you know, or partially replied back regarding the 14th Amendment, but they never said anything about Section 8 or Title 8 or whatever it's called. Well, I have to look at my notes again. If, if, so if, they, if now, correct me. that out. I, Okay, well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, you just spurned something in me, Ken. On the partial quoting of the 14th Amendment, what do they say? All persons born or naturalized in the United States, dot, dot, dot. Abram, you got those letters right there. Is that the the part they're pulling out and putting in there? Abram, you with us? He must be reaching for his mute. Does somebody have that letter and a recall? Is that the part of the 14th Amendment she's quoting in the letter, just the first section? Hey, Roger, I was muted here. Let me try and figure that out real quick. Okay. Because obviously in a a response, I want to make sure that's what it is. I think that's what it is. They don't quote the full, full first section, I don't believe. Section 308. Outline possession of the United States or born to parents of where I think it was in the second paragraph. I think it was in the first paragraph, uh, but I may be wrong. Anyway, I'm just trying uh, to The first paragraph is in letter in response to your letter. The next one is uh please be advised that per the Bureau of Consular Affairs there's no way to add documents. Next letter is uh, section three oh eight INI INA confers US nationality but not US citizenship on persons born in outline possession of ter- of the United States or born of a parent or parents who are non-citizen nationals who meet certain physical presence or residence requirements. Uh, let's see. Oh, didn't have in there. Well, the point I was going to make, if, the they're original, just, right. if they're just quoting the first section of the 14th Amendment, 
they're leaving out the key one and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Yeah, it doesn't sound to me like they address. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, it's fine. I was just saying I, I don't see the uh, the Fourteenth Amendment part in here. Maybe okay. I'm. All right, that I I thought it was quoted yeah, the in there. I don't see the Fourteenth Amendment cited in here anywhere. Okay. Yeah, they don't. It doesn't sound to me like they address the national issue at all. Oh, they, they, don't, talk, they don't. They talk about everything except that. Of course, of right. course. Pill pull. What was it? it? Pill pill pull. <laughs> pill pull. I think is what Daryl said it was. Pill pull. Pill yeah. pulling here. On but second jive is too funny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a couple things. A couple things here, Roger. <clears throat> One of the individuals earlier said that uh, Kelly and Robinson. Um, initials or signature there. I don't see anything there. All I see is a JJ. Okay. Yeah. It says sincerely Kellyanne Robinson. And then there's two initials that looks like JJ. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing seems really, well, twisted. It, it really, um, it really stands out as something very unusual coming from an official government agency. JJ is the mailroom yeah. clerk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but right. the handwritten envelope is the thing that surprised me the and, most about it. I remember when I first pulled out of the mailbox, I saw that, I, and I just I started scratching my head immediately before it even opened right. it. And uh, the other thing that's on that envelope is is posted. Government agencies don't pay postage. Yes. Isn't that right, uh, Jeff? Other, Jeff, you still JJ's with us? also the same fellow oh. that uh, it signs the uh, the uh, uh, pink slips. When they return them to you, so when you get that, you know, uh, uh, diplomatic courier or whatever, or diplomatic uh, mail service, JJ initially. Okay. Um, well, that's that's a fascinating thought. Well, now, hold, hold Do on. they have to write letters that way to people that are uh, diplomatic? Oh hell, who knows? Uh, Jeff, are you still with us? Jeff. Yes, sir, I am. Government agencies don't pay postage. They have franking privileges, isn't that right? Sure. Well, see, they, this is paid postage on all these. Roger, I, I was always taught that it's incumbent on you to have an agent, anybody that's representing local, state, or federal uh, proof of authority, either their credentials etc and you make note of what's on there because some of those even get um copied um for nefarious reasons is it Roger? there should be a right. proof of authority um form that you can send her find out if she's real and who who her boss is okay i don't know anything about that jeff what were you going to add I was going to say that the government has franking privileges because the post office still is a part of government. So right. it's kind of like it's mailing it to itself. And exactly. so why would it charge itself? Exactly. So it's hey, Roger, the the franking, it, uh, all right, hold on. Four, all of a sudden, four or five people want to talk at once. We can't do that here. Who was there's a female in there? Who is the female? Roger, Cherry. Um, the phrase Samuel is looking for is delegated authority. Right. Because all authority has to be delegated down. Right. And there is an official form delegating such authority. That's why it says in the law, the secretary or his delegate. 
obviously they're a delegate of the Secretary of State because he's passing this over to them to respond to. Again, by the nature that they're sending you this letter is tacit agreement of, of receipt of your citizenship evidence. By a delegate. Maybe because uh, they're, by they're a delegate. totally overwhelmed, so they have to well, delegate it out. So that could be a really good way well, to look at they it. Dele- the, secretary, the secretary delegates all kinds of crap to his people. Okay. Are we one step away from delegating it to Indian people? Oh, hell, who knows? Roger. Yes. Well, I'm just saying that there is a form that they fill out delegating such responsibility <laughs> or authority to underlings. Yeah. So ask for that form. Well, okay. Well, they would. I don't believe that Mrs. Robinson would be sending these out under her name if she wasn't delegated and they hadn't given it to her, and they wouldn't give her this stuff if they weren't delegated, I wouldn't think. But, hell, who knows internally what's going on up there, okay? So, yes, there was somebody else trying to say something there. Who was? Several several people had something to add. Who's clicking? Hey, uh, Somebody's Roger. clicking something. Never yes. mind. Go, go ahead. Who's? Uh, JJ is. All right. Go ahead. Okay. See, I can't see who's talking, so I don't know how to identify you. Sue, the two people trying to talk there at once. Bruce, come forward and say say your piece. All right. Thank you, Roger. Uh, It's our our duty to report a crime, and that's what they're doing. They're trying to coach you into being a criminal. No, they're trying, what to, they're, doing. they're trying to coax you into staying so and be a slave. So their activity is a crime, and we're supposed yeah. to, and see, if we don't report it, they can charge us uh, and party of, of doing uh, the crime. Well, they have everything they're doing is a crime up there. Look at the January 6th folks, okay? So I'm not sure, uh, again, I don't I don't know how much water that hold, Bruce, but because um, Moshe Garfunkel's in charge of the Department of Justice. But... Uh, We'll draft up something to get back to Mrs. Robinson. This has kind of spurred me to go ahead and button this up, and I've been thinking about it for months. So we'll we'll sit down and draft something up here in the next day or three or whatever and get it off to her if you guys want to. I don't think the letter's anything but total BS, the first one she's sending out. This one denying a FOIA that's coming from an office that's not the FOIA office just doesn't hold water at all, Abram. Well, I'm just upset. I don't know oh, if don't they're be ready upset. to delegate this to the to Indians, but I'm just upset because it doesn't look like I'm gonna get me a Seven Eleven store anytime soon. That's right. Indians only won't even answer my emails. They won't even do it. Huh? No, I don't know if everybody heard that joke. Yeah, yeah. IndiansOnly.com. Yeah, they, they say if you marry an Indian gal on your wedding night. And you scratch that dot off her forehead, you may win a Seven Eleven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but IndiansOnly.com won't even answer my emails. <laughs> oh Lord! Well, it gets comical. You see the corner we've got these folks in, don't you? Well, it's pretty obvious, okay? Uh, they got no response, and the only response they send out is piss poor. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> So it gets to be a little bit comical, honestly. Yep. 
They're shucking jive turkeys. <laughs> and don't forget the bob and weave. That's right, the bob and weave. Well, they've been caught slaving is exactly what's going on here. And unfortunately for them, this little slaving activity is the basis of their whole game. It's the nucleus. It's the genesis of their whole game is getting a property right in you. Well, they've painted themselves into a corner, and right. their only weapon is a paintbrush to paint us, uh, according to their wishes. Well, that's good, Jeff. That's good. So, uh, anyway, a good discussion, and it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting the the links they're going to to try and – what are they trying to do? Unlearn what you've learned? <laughs> Appear not guilty for their slaving activities? <laughs> I wonder if Miss Robinson knows she's an accomplice to slavery. I'd like some reparations myself. So, uh, hey, Roger. Yeah. Yeah. I got a question. Uh, actually, I have several questions depending on how much time I'm allowed here. But, uh, one of the things it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the whole focus of what we've been doing here is basically following the State Department's guidelines correct. in doing this process. Yeah, okay, the, and using the hidden, their verbiage and all that kind of stuff. I think the State Department okay, hidden guidelines may be more accurate, but yeah, okay. Okay, okay. So is there a hidden guideline that we are actually using? Because it seems to me like with, with the verbiage that we're using with respect to um, letting them know our intent to become a national is under uh, basically under the guidelines in this, I, I believe it's in the 308 um, 101. Let me tell you where the guidelines are, and it's not in the statute. The guidelines are in Vattel's Law of Nations which overrides and underpins all this stuff, okay? And that statement is every man has the right of personal, political self-determination. Now, what that means is you get to choose what sets of laws you live under. And you see what the State Department has done here is they still honor Vattel's Law of Nations because you can expatriate, can't you? Gotcha. But what they've done with this little outlet here is they've made these two statuses equal with Brown versus Board of Education, and we're not expatriating, we're repatriating. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That that clarifies it then. Um, okay. Because I was thinking we were... Because they always cite the Mariana Islands thing and, and, you know, Samoa and all that kind of stuff. Well, so, that's the bluff. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the bluff. That's the bluff. Now, where else do they tell you that this is the feudal system and that you've got the right to do this without telling you? On the passport. In the Tell passport application, the warning statement. You can attach documentation, okay. comma, including affidavits, comma, but you better not lie or we're going to hit you with these six or seven sections of the United States Code. They're telling you you can volunteer out right there, but they don't tell you in those words. 
And the only reason that's in there is because it's got to be in there because of the Paperwork Reduction Act and them being required to get an OMB number on that passport application because it's a public information gathering request. So that's in there so they can pass the muster of constitutionality on this scheme through OMB. That's why that's there. Roger. Yes. You know how um, on the 14th Amendment, they say U.S. citizens have civil rights? Well, uh, U.S. citizens have, well, US citizens have civil rights. And on there in a section, I can't find it right now, it says that they owe allegiance to the United States, right? Right, yeah. Well, there's, so, your, there's your jurisdictional statement. I know I saw something in there, and I can't find it now, but um, on, I think, you have it in your book. I'm not sure. And so it is fruit of the poisonous tree um, where they, where they say that they are the enemy of the state. Well, then that comes from, that comes from, and if you want to verify this, go on the internet. Some of you might not be aware of this, but back in the mid nineties, there was a, a really, really, really good research project that was done by a guy named Eugene Schroeder. And I forget his accomplice guy, I think, is some sort of a doctor. Eugene Schroeder is a veterinarian there in eastern Colorado on the eastern slope. And uh, the name of his project was the Trading with the Enemy Act. Okay? Trading with the Enemy Act. Now, that piece of legislation was originally passed in World War I, about 1917. And the named enemy were the germans okay they took that exact same legislation word for word and they passed it again in 1933 and they took out germans and they put in citizens of the united states and i remember you saying that okay so i was thinking um because they say the u.s citizens if they have civil rights and they're thinking that they have political rights and they're fighting for their rights. They become an enemy of the state. And also with us affirming our, our status, they just see us as us citizens and consider us. Well, we're not, well, we're not a citizen of the United States anymore. We're national. So we shouldn't be their enemy, but we are their enemy. Right. Okay. But um, there was something that came up on Telegram where I was trying to explain the enemy of the state, but that um, what you just shared should help. Yeah, we'll go back. Somebody find the Trading with the Enemy Act. I'm sure they hadn't totally scrubbed it off the web. And put that in the Telegram group for folks if they want some background on this. That's they say the state. Do they use the uppercase or lowercase? I, I, I never no, thought about I, that I before. No, I have no idea, and I'm sure it's the uppercase. Roger, I think what Stamper is saying is that um, when the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment uh, were solidly in place, what happens is you have all these people in a state calling themselves citizens, which didn't used to exist. So So we fell out of nation status there. And then later on, when we eliminate the senators being elected by the state um, governors, 
we eliminate uh, our nation state but, there. So essentially, shame. what Stamper's saying is there's no nation state anymore. We've waived it. We're basically all okay. feudal slaves. Well, you say there's no citizen. The word citizen's in the Declaration of Independence. How can you say that? Well, citizen uh, is being confused with national. Stamper's saying <laughs> that we used to be nationals. Correct. And we've got this lowercase citizen. In fact, he he often, when he is saying it in his book, if you look, uh, when he's talking about uh, the feudal slave, it's a lowercase c citizen. And when he's talking about the old national, it's the uppercase citizen okay. of the United States of yeah. America. Same way it is in the Declaration of Independence is capitalized. Exactly. Document. Yeah. It's, I know it's confusing, but... Huh. I mean, if you look at what McFadden said, uh, what they were doing with the financial system, the trading with the enemies act, you can in in the 30s alone, you can see how they took what they the the foundations that they placed and how they built on them to do what they've brought us into. Today. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the real in, indices here was out of those Congressman McFadden's speeches. And, you know, it's funny. I don't even remember picking it up when I wrote the book and added that stuff in there, actually. But in one of his speeches, and I just saw it a while back, <coughs> excuse me, and I saw it, uh, it says on one of his speeches on the floor, I don't remember if he said building or erecting, okay? But maybe Mark can find I sent Mark a copy of my book on ebook. He can search this stuff up. Uh, but McFadden's statement is they're erecting or building a Machiavellian feudal system. That's right out of McFadden's lips. And he also sued the, all the departments that were involved in it. And people, the stamper says that suit is still open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still probably sitting there 90 years old. Roger, forgive my ignorance, but don't they give it away so blatantly, obviously, on the passport application when they ask if your parents, both your mother and your father specifically, if they're citizens? Well, you know, in one, in one sense, that's a legitimate question, okay? Because for you to be a citizen, one of them had to be a citizen, all right? But yet, if you understand what we understand then that's the that's the green flag for the for the feudal system you being born into that same condition and therein lies the presumption see that they continue to work on and what we do is we rebut that presumption yeah my parents were citizens of the united states but i'm not Roger, well please. it seems to me if you're if you're born here then it's irrelevant if they're citizens or not. Well, it is, but yet that is a continuation of the feudal system and the presumption that they're working on. And they legitimately need to know that question in a passport application. There's some legitimacy well, to it. Okay. Right. What I'm getting at is, is some of the lingo it, they seem to be throwing back at us or, you know, in the, the Robinson letter, uh, which I, every time I hear that name, I think of that uh, song. You know, oh. Mrs. Robinson. Well, that's what I'm going to. I'm going to quote. I'm going to quote parts of that song in the reply. I'm going to write to her. <laughs> but uh, it seems to me that they are um, 
being deceptive in the fact that they're they're responding to people that are uh, they they are saying that are trying to get immigration into the country versus people that are repatriating and so their arguments are those of somebody that's trying to apply for citizenship uh that's not an uh, an american or a national um in other words, somebody from a foreign country trying to come into the country, you know, they have a list of rules and things that they have to go through to even be able to apply. So it seems like they're more answering arguments to that issue We're, hold on, rather Ken, than hold on, repatriating. Ken, hold on. Where is that noise coming from? Please. Paul? Knock them off. Knock, kick them out. Paul. Paul, please kick this person out. Whoever refuses to listen and refuses to adhere to the policies we got to have in place around here to have these detailed, de- detailed things and issues discussed, we can't have that kind of crap right there. I took care of it and took me a minute to catch him. He kept switching, switching gears. Well, I got him. Jeez. I, it, it's like herding cats around here. Okay. Sorry, Ken. Uh, that may be uh, overthinking. No problem. Uh, you have to wonder if they're still alive. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to draft something and send back these people. It's a piss-poor attempt. They're in desperate straits, or they wouldn't be going to these lengths. After 12 years, they're finally getting to this link to do this. I would be interested to know if any of straight or Von Reitz's people are getting this, or is it just us? And, of course, we don't know that. Okay, who else has got something? No, other people are getting them, too. Are they? I've, I've had other, Yeah, because other people are reaching out to me, asking me, what do I do about this? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but then that begs the question, are we getting them because they got them and they just did blanket well, on us that, as well as that? It could be, uh, but I can guarantee you, Anna Von Wrights and David Strait students don't know how to reply to this. Remember, Roger, um, the U.S. post office that I went to told me that the state was complaining about the, all these pages that they were receiving right. with the passport application. Right. So Let's, it must be from the DS and yeah. the Anna yeah. group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what the sheriff deputy told me. They were getting all of these uh, huge, you know, they might as well be backing up the Iron Mountain truck, you know, and delivering <laughs> these things. Well, that's David Strait and that bunch of crap there. So anyway. Uh, I didn't know that. It's good to know that they're getting them, and it is a blanket thing. Well, we'll we'll custom a response. Let them handle it, however straight hey, and Anna want them to handle it. Is that Princess there coming in? You've got excellent identif- voice identification. I have to tell that's, you that that's a lifetime. That's a lifetime in radio, right there. Go ahead. Excellent. My, I was wondering with regard to the the you mentioned the OMB number needing to be, I believe, on the application. No, no, it's or, not needing. It's not needing to be. It's required. Okay, so there, I'm I'm noticing that there are a lot of different ones. Are we required to use like the the most recent one? Well, you know, that's uh, an interesting question, Princess, and I was confronted with that just this last week. 
because I've got a copy of an old DS-11 and DS-82 from when I was still in the States back in 07, 08. And I was having a hard time with this new, you know, we mentioned, somebody mentioned on the show a while back, they've got a new electronic way to do passport renewals. Y'all probably don't remember that, okay? But because I knew my passport had to be renewed, it perked my ears up. Well, that's what I had to do. And uh, so it, the the way they do it, and this is what screwed me up, okay, um, is on my passport before, I've had my home address in Panama City listed as your home address. But when you go through this thing online now, and I, I finally found a DS-82. I don't have a printer. I've never had a printer since I've been down here. So anytime the rare times I need to print something, I got to use a thumb drive and go find a copier store. Okay. And so I downloaded the DS-82 and, and went and had it, found a copy store. And the, the damn little boxes are so small with my eyesight the way it is, I I couldn't fill them out. I mean, I literally couldn't. I would have had to hold the magnifying glass with one hand and write with the other one, and then the paper would move. So I went over and had my friend Walt do it. And uh, then we went to do the application there on his computer. And so uh, in this process, they send you through. They hit you with the six questions first. Have you, is your passport expired more than 15 years? Are you over 18? Or whatever those questions are. And that designates which form you use. And so I answer the questions. They steer you to an 82. I get an 82. I go get it printed because I know you got to have a hard copy going in with this too. And so I go to Waltz and we sit down to fill it out. And I give them the Panama City address for my home address. Well, then we went back and say, well, how do you pay them? I, and I didn't know whether you paid DHL because DHL's got a contract with the State Department. At whether you pay DHL and they're going to forward it to him, whatever. Well, I find out. We figure out that when you go through the electronic process, at the end is where you pay to the State Department directly. They send you a receipt, and that has to be included in the package you send in with a hard copy of the form. Okay, but you got to do the form also online. Well, we're online doing it. And we put the Panama City address in there, and then they say, what country? And you pull down the pull down, and the U.S. isn't an option. Really? Okay. So we're, Walt, Walt gets real frustrated. <laughs> I get real frustrated. And then we figure out that with this new scheme, if you're outside the U.S. and using this electronic thing through the Ecuadorian embassy uh, uh, website, that you got to put an Ecuadorian address in there. And then it'll go ahead and fill in everything and let you put the country. Okay? So that aggravated me because now i got to go back and do a DS-82. i got to go back to the copier store. We've already we put in the Ecuadorian address finally on the electronic part. And so now i got to go print out another hard form and go get Jack to fill it out and put the Ecuadorian address in there. Finally, that's what I got off Monday. But, yeah, it, it was an ordeal. It took me a week to, to get it done. Okay? Their simple new online form. So if, you've, if you're you trying to utilize, I guess, a 20, 2007 or two, 2013 one today, I we still have the option to do that. I, I think they would have to accept it because it's got an OMB number, even though it's old. 
And I almost did that. I almost took, that was the point of what I was telling you, I almost took that DS-82 I've got and just went and made a copy of it and sent that to them. But I'm in this tight window here of two months that the Ecuadorians are allowing people to get re visized if you will or or get into this <laughs> resident situation and there's a two-month window there and i'm already uh you know a, a quarter into the two-month window so i didn't want anything to screw it up and that's why i did it like that so okay i'm just looking at one that's dated from uh and it doesn't have a uh, omb number. it's got to have an omb number on it it doesn't have an omb number on it what year is it from it says uh, 9DS1109-2013. Well, on, uh, I, you can go into the instructions there. Have you got the whole, the whole instructions and the application? Yeah. Well, yes. you can go in. There's a section in there on Paperwork Reduction Act, which says they've got to have an OMB number on it. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just wondering if it if it doesn't though. What is what's the you know? Well, if it those... doesn't, it's not a legitimate uh, a public information gathering request. The State Department can't put it out. Do you understand where this came from? Okay, this came after Watergate. There was two really important piece of legislations passed after Watergate. One was the Paperwork Reduction Act. The other was the FOIA Act. We're talking about both of those here today. Okay, and the Pub Paperwork Reduction Act says for any agency, if they're putting out what is called a public information gathering request, that is the official bureaucratic nomenclature, official information gathering request put out to the public at large. It's got to go through this process at the Office of Management and Budget, and it's got to be issued an OMB number before the agency can put it out to the public. It says you do not have to supply this information unless the collection display, displays a currently valid OMB, OMB control number. Correct, correct. Hmm. Okay. So this is a backlash from Watergate and government corruption all those years ago, and it's still in place. And what it does is it puts a nexus on the State Department because to pass that OMB check to get that number, everything's got to be constitutional. Hey, Roger, what does the OMB number look like? It's just a number. It says OMB, and there's a number there on the form somewhere. Okay, I'm looking for OMB number on this uh well, uh, if, it, if it didn't it. have one, they couldn't put it out. They would find it in one of well, the corners. They shouldn't be able to put out these bluff letters. It's normally well, that, the bluff letter, the bluff letter is not a public information gathering request. The passport application is. Is that same for the four-year? No, no, no. It, it, uh, get this. Public information gathering request. Some form that I put out to the public that asks for them to input information and send it back to me. So, Roger, I did a uh, find on this uh, PDF for this form, and there is no OMB. There's somewhere. Uh, it's on there somewhere. Okay. All I can tell you is they couldn't put it out without that being on it. It says right there in their instructions. Hey, Roger, new student. Can you yeah. hear me? Yeah, new stu a new student. Well, boy, have you been getting a drink of water out of a fire hydrant today. 
Uh, okay, let me start off right. Hopefully I'm not making any disturbing background noises. No, okay. I'm Jeremy from Georgia. Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> well, oh, all right, all right, hold on. Going. You said the magic word, Georgia. Whereabouts in Georgia are you? Uh, Covington area, Covington, okay. Monticello. Okay, so you're out uh, outside of Atlanta. Yes, sir. Right, outside, a little southeast. Yep. Um, I, I can add a couple things real quick, and the time is short. Uh, Title Eight, Subsection fourteen oh one, Nationals and United States and Nationals and Citizens. It says uh, the following shall be little case lowercase nationals and lowercase citizens of the United States at birth. A, a person born in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction okay. thereof. Okay, that's a serve. That's a serve. All right. How do, I, how do I know? Hold on, Jeremy. A person born in the United States. Uh, you, you, know what the, you know what the giveaway is and what you just read? You know what the giveaway is and what you just read? And subject to the jurisdiction thereof. That's right out of the 14th Amendment. Right. Now, this is what makes B so interesting. A person born in the United States to a member of an Indian, Eskimo, Aleutian, or other Aboriginal tribe. Okay, doesn't apply to us. In italics. Doesn't apply to us. That the granting of citizenship under this section shall not be in any manner imperative to the right of such persons to own tribal or other property. Right. So they can't come in and because they've uh, made all the Indians citizens of the United States at some point. They didn't used to be. Okay. And so they're saying that doesn't negate your natural tribal rights is what that's saying. Right. And what I've noticed going through the Constitution, it does contain the capital word C, citizen. But if you look closely at it, it refers to the capital word P, people, and only refers to citizens when it's referring to positions of government. If you go through and look through the articles, you'll notice that it's referring to who can hold a position, be it representative or president. Right. And that's how it starts off, kind of showing you not not blatantly, but and, and of course, how you can. When that was written, there was only one, P. when there was a, when that was written, there was only one status. Don't forget that too. Right, I, and just for some side knowledge, when people talk about you can't have a driver's license and an ID, I think it's important for them to share with the audience what state they're coming from, because when I got out of the service. I got. I fell into a window where I got one of those IDs, the licenses that are good till twenty forty one. And uh, when I was getting my driver's license, I I lost it, so I went back to get a new one, and they started the real ID with the star. And when I got my uh, driver's license to replace it, I said, "I'm not going to lose my date, am I?" She said, "Oh no." And then, so I started to get the driver's license, and she volunteered and said, hey, I can give you a free ID, too, while I'm at it. And I was like, sure. Oh, okay. So well, you know, I think it does depend on. Well, it might. Uh, it might. I Remember, I hadn't been in the States in almost 15 years, okay? So yes, that yes. was back when I got this, and I was told, that, and it might vary from state to state, that if you got a driver's license, that acts as the ID, and they won't issue you both. 
Okay. It does vary because I'm in California right. and I know we can get both. Oh, you can? Okay. Well, they, you know, may vary. They may have changed it. I've been gone a long time. But anyway, Roger, I'll get off, but I appreciate and I'll make sure I mute when I do so. Okay. <laughs> but I appreciate what you do. I appreciate hearing you get emotional telling these stories of people in the past and things uh, pertinent to me, like growing up listening to Neil Boards and Hannity. I'm <laughs> yeah, right. I thank you. I thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, we're glad to have you on board, Jeremy. You're relatively new. How'd you find us? I found you because uh, YouTube's algorithm kept popping up uh, David Strait. And I started listening and watching all his stuff. I never dove into the Anna lady, but uh, searching for forms on web online led me to the Matrix. And then I started watching some of the... Uh, other channels she did and i had actually watched a video of presley oh yeah before i realized you came on and i tell you roger that's what solidified it for me from hearing presley stuff and hearing uh how articulate a yeah you know, i try to be a pretty sharp guy he's obviously doing it right and uh and then when i heard he was essentially your pupil if you'll allow that word um that's what secured it for me because I had got into, uh, I had went a long time without driver's license, license, insurance, all that stuff. And it was kind of because I was living minimalist. But then I got a ticket and, uh, I find they drug it out for a year with Boulder County. And, uh, by the end of it, I had consumed so much stuff that when I met with the DA, I was tired and he dropped one of the charges and, uh, he said, I tell you what, we'll drop this other charge. If you'll just pay the ticket and we'll put these points on your license. And I was like, I don't care about my license anyway, but I looked him in the eye and I said, I said, uh, Boulder County has been good to me. So I'll donate my money to Boulder County, but understand, I know the difference between commerce and just private traveling. Right. And, uh, he kind of sat back and he knew because man, I was, I was going to school at Naropa. I had access to CU Boulder's law library and I did the dumbest thing possible when I got that ticket and I got tickets before, but it didn't sit right with me. So when I got this, when I got a ticket, I went, to the Articles of Confederation, the Declaration <laughs> of Independence, yeah, the United States, well, before I got to the United States Constitution, like an idiot, I printed out all of the Federalist Papers, read every single one of those, then I read the Constitution, then I read five different Constitutions, California, Bold, uh, Colorado, Georgia, and Texas, and... Uh, and then it dawned on me I had access to CU Boulder's Law Library. And this is why I appreciate what you say, because they have setups for courtrooms. I mean, it's a top-notch law school. And I had access because my little dinky liberal university had access. And I went to their uh, CU Boulder Law Library and started pouring through 
the uh, Amjuris prudence and everything else until I realized I had that kind of paradigm shift where I was like, I'm 46. I've been lied to. I was oh, my 43 life. Two at the time. Yeah. But I, my whole life, my whole damn life. And then I found an, a nine page letter from the department of justice that the ACLU got on them. And I was like, I, I am never playing this game again. And that's why I appreciate people like what you do. My, my sister got a ticket the other day and she called me while she was live and I could hear my sister. I hope you don't mind this, but I promise you it's valuable. My sister was born with a physical disability, a rare genetic disability. She only has two fingers on each hand. Oh my goodness. Two toes. Yeah. But ultra rare. It's spread across populations, but it's ultra rare. And I can't even remember the name of it. Um, Starts with the E. But anyway, so she has her hands on the steering wheel. She's Christmas shopping um, December 23rd with her two little daughters, one of which she's got three kids, one of which carried that same genetic trait. Anyway, the cops pull her over because she had a plate on a car um, that came off her previous vehicle. But she never registered it or anything. She just paid cash. And so they come through doing their scanning thing and read and said, okay, well, this plate doesn't match this vehicle. Correct. She had everything. She had her insurance. She showed them, uh, she showed them the, the insurance card on it and the bill of sale. And she called because she was the only family member that would listen to me when it comes to driving and I, I mean i made her i pulled this is how you teach people you hand them a black's law dictionary and say <laughs> anna bouvier's 1856 law dictionary and you tell them look up the word driver well i don't see it in there okay well then default back to bouvier well what's courier or courier or you know the transportation is defined with one word by bouvier as punishment so I'll never look at a DOT sign again without knowing it's punishment. Anyway, she calls me, and uh, they have her with four cop cars surrounding oh her. Oh, my God. But wow. I got to admit, she did perfect. She never referred to anything as other than her property. She made it very clear on their body cam and allowed to everybody multiple times. She was not conducting commerce. She knew so-and-so. And they tried to intimidate her and my youngest niece, the one with the physical disability, um, by standing outside the side of her window. And she had me on speaker where the cop could hear. And I could tell she was nervous. And she said, what's that other guy doing? I said, what's going on? She said, "Uh, well, there's another police officer kind of mean mugging my niece on the passenger side of the vehicle. And I went off, Roger. I said, are you kidding me? You have a single mother with an obvious physical disability, and you think you need backup for this? And the guy kind of did a motion to the other guy, like, you need the backup. Get away. Get away. So we'll see what happens. Yes, sir. We'll see what happens. She she, uh, immediately, I told her, thanks to you, Immediately, I told her, look, first thing you need to do is send this letter out to the State Department. 
do all the right things. I said, second thing you need to do, and then she made a nice letter. Um, I sent you an email, I believe it went to you, that if you ever feel like reading it, where uh, she addressed it. But she's so sharp Is it? that not only did she send back a recension of the letter, she corrected their traffic citations. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, Roger, she said, look, the word court appears six times on the front and six times on the back. And what's your very first option? Press option one to pay. Right. And then right. on top of that, they covered a sticker that said license may be suspended where it used to say shall be. But they didn't use that same sticker to cover the exact same back statement. So she pointed that out to them. She included the nine-page letter of the Department of Justice. She included an affidavit of citizenship. And uh, immediately, as of right now, she just got a letter back from <laughs> from the uh, from the municipal court of the city of Conyers. That is, uh, what's the word? Where they're uh, they're seeking relief from the state of Georgia to bind the uh, to bind the case, oh, and no, I said, look, they, they don't want anything to they, do with this they, case. They, they don't want that case coming you up know, in court. No, sir. That's the worst thing. Now, Jeremy, let me ask you. A question. You're a big point of this. Yes, sir. Go for well, it. I, I, I'm happy to be a part of it, and thank you. Okay. It's why I do this is these kind of moments, okay? Uh, you sent me, I think, Roger, I remember, man. hold on just a second. You sent me a long email sure. on this is why I appreciate you, something to that effect. W was that the one I'm thinking of? Jeremy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, yes, you know, it was, right. uh, it was long. It's long. You know, I've got eye problems, and it wasn't paragraphed. And that's a – I get emails where people have these long, long run-on paragraphs without any para – well, or, or with no paragraph breaks. And it's difficult for me to read those. So I haven't, but I appreciate your sentiment, okay? Well, you don't need to. You got the story right now. Okay. I, you want to read the letter? <laughs> I attached it, but you don't need to read the. Okay. Yeah, well, you got the whole. Everybody got the story. Okay. Well, but, thank uh, you, Jeremy. And, you ran, and yes, sir. I was just going to say we're happy to have you. Okay, and thanks for joining us and relating that to us all. Okay. Oh uh, well, thank you. You bet. I I yield. Okay. Well, you let us know how we can help you as you guys move forward, and that's a that's a heartwarming story. Okay, and tell your sister that she did a good job. Yes, all right. Yes, sir. I just so you know, second Roger Sales is marking all caps, man. <laughs> <laughs> That dude is sharp. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. We're happy to have Mark along on the on the bandwagon here. So, all right. Thank you, Roger. Okay, Jeremy. Thank you, and uh, feel free to join us at any time. Okay. Um. So, Princess, was that you trying to say something a minute ago? It was one of the females? It, it's Charlie. Oh, hey, Charlie. Hey, the the gentleman that was just speaking is he in Georgia or in Colorado? He's in Georgia, but he evidently was in Colorado at some point. It sounded like to me. Okay, right? now I. Okay, now I get it. And, and yeah, good Georgia. for you, by the way. Okay, 
good for you that you went to um, the law library. I've been to that library I don't know how many times. But you're absolutely correct, and I know I was talking about it over a week ago. Uh, and, and this is not about driving, Roger. I, you know, it's about passports, okay, and, and being free. But last week I made reference to the DMVs across this country as being a mafia, and they are. Oh, yeah. And if you were really looking at the corpus juris secundum and the American jurisprudence, it's, it's crystal clear. Driving is an occupation, period. So for them to continue this, this sham, and um, is is beyond me. It's it's just egregious. I yield. Okay. I wanted to mention an email I got from a guy. I don't remember who. I get a number of emails, and uh, he was saying, "Well, I think that anybody that does this is just wanting to get out of taxes and speeding <laughs> tickets." And I went, "Well, I answered him back, said I don't disagree with you. You know, not everybody, obviously. I, but here's the here's the." Roger, Hold on, let me finish. Here's the deal. So the reason that everybody used to use income tax is because everyone's concerned with their pocketbook. It's a common denominator issue, driving to to a large extent, okay? And, yes, those people aren't interested in freedom. They don't even know what freedom is. If you ask them to describe freedom and liberty, I doubt that most of those people could even give you a cogent definition, okay? So, no, they don't know that, and the guy's statement's correct. But as John used to say, the reason we use income tax is because everybody's interested. And now, once we get you educated on that, now we can expand this to the big platform of freedom and liberty. But you can't see that without having an intermediary step. Okay, And so, yeah, the guy's right. In a large majority of the time, the people that come here, they're interested in not paying taxes and maybe driving without a driver's license. Okay, So it's like a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug. But you see, that's why I have such insistence on you people learning the information. Because not all that's where your freedom is, and that opens up that additional door that this is far bigger than income tax and driving. Okay, far bigger. But those people at that stage can't see that, mostly. Okay, and that that the, the, it, it is. It, I agree with what he said, and I wanted to address it on the air for everybody, because you guys know here that there are the regulars and the people that are addicted to this. Once you get into this, taxes and driving is secondary. This is this is a big deal right here. Mm-hmm. But you can't see it for a lot of people without that intermediary step. And my hope, and that's why I, I, I insist on everybody learning the information, because that's the fertile soil where this real big concepts of freedom and liberty will grow out of. Without those being implanted, you may get there otherwise, but you're not going to get there with the magnitude and the impression that I will, I will try and get people to that point with to the same understandings that I've gone through and the changes I've gone through over all these years. And that's why I say, you know, this is life-changing information. Many of you are going to, your lives have totally changed since you missed across this information and internalized it. I mean, I, I can say that as a blanket statement because I know it's true. Okay, this is life-changing information, 
And if it takes taxes and driving to get people into the change and into a posture where they can grow, well, that's okay. Okay. But that's why I go back and insist on learn the information, learn the information. That's where all of our freedom is. This whole thing's an education deal. Okay. Just like Ken going and educating the judge, just like all these examples of, of somebody writes, this girl writes and says, well, how are you going to explain this difference between a capital S and a small S to a city council? Well, hell, now we just got knocked off Jitsi. Damn it. <coughs> okay, are we back? When is that? Okay, sorry, I got kicked off of Jitsi with the reboot, um, and I forgot where I was. But that's the importance of this information. Yeah, the taxes are important, sure. Driving, all this stuff's important. But, boy, it isn't as important as you being an pro- object of somebody's property rights, is it? Hey, Roger, this is Abram. There's no, there's no OMB number on this request for individual access to records protected under the Privacy Act. Okay, well, um, then you might just go back and find some FOIA instructions. Well, see, the FOIA application is not a public information gathering request. That's why. They're not sending that out to the public at large. It's on their website if somebody wants to do a FOIA. Well, I, I cannot. It's difficult for me to actually believe that this is an authentic document. With the formatting being as bad as it is, it's it's hideous. Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, does FOIA also work? Can I just use the, go through the regular FOIA process? I w- truthfully, I don't trust this process. I would, I would think, I would think they'd have to honor it, Abram. Okay. I mean, FOIA has been around for. I mean, this was in the seventies, I believe, best I recall. So it's been around forty years. Might take him forever, but yeah. So uh, yeah, go back and do a little research on that, Abram. Do another FOIA request without using their stupid form. I think you know by nature the fact that Mrs. Robinson and you are pen pals that they've they've uh, uh, asserted the point that they're in possession of what you sent them. I agree, but I I, I still want the documents in hand. Okay, well you go ahead and pursue it, my friend. Okay. Hey, Mer. Hi, Roger. Okay. Well, there's Dave in the thumb. Hey, Dave. How's it going, brother? Well, it's going all right today. I'd like to talk about Ron Avery a little bit, if I may. You don't have much time, but go ahead and tell us about Ron. I've known Ron since uh, about 1985, and Ron was the, the... Texas Architects and Engineers. He was the president of the Texas Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Ron is a is an architect. Is he? And he worked for my family. We met, we built shopping centers back in the 80s. And uh, Ron is quite the patriot, and he's been very active his whole life. And he did go in front of the Texas Supreme Court a couple of times. He lost, but uh, he's not an attorney, um, but he knows... He knows the law pretty well, and he's been studying. He's 75 years old, 
Um, he's a pretty mellow guy, and uh, I can't think of that guy's name that you know was harassing all of the the shows on RBN. The hosts about you. I think you called him an a hole. Tennessee. And he said, my money's on uh, Roger not showing up on your call. He's not going to show up on your show. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, we've got the room locked. Nobody gets in until the end of the show. Nobody yeah. gets in. Do not allow anyone in. Yep. They they hit the chat and everything. But Roger has agreed to be on Ron's show, 2 p.m. Central. I on, I, well, I just want to tell everyone before we go off the air, January 26th. Okay. Perfect. Now, I, Ron, Ron, I was listening to Ron's, one of Ron's replays last week, and I texted him because I didn't like what I heard him say. He he thinks we're 14th Amendment citizens, and and I mentioned a couple of things, and and he he texted me back. He said, "Dave, do you really think I don't know this stuff? I've been studying this for 30 years." And I said, "Well, Ron, it kind of seems like you didn't know what that guy was talking about uh, that last caller you had, and and it was one of your students, Roger, and he I can't remember what exactly he said, but." But right after that, I got an, I got a text, um, that was him. Ron was inviting you either on his show or you, him on your show. And he sent me the email and, uh, and he sent it to you too. But I guess I heard Murr talking to him yesterday well, and, well, and I heard Mitchell and everything. Well, and I, he, said, I, I know. he said, you know, he sent it to the wrong email address. Let's so it, let's get this on air too. Mitchell's deal is, he thinks uh, we're trying to get out of property taxes. And I've tried to make clear that the national yeah. is the first step yeah, in that, getting, then working on your allodial title. This guy, Mitchell, this guy yeah. Mitchell called in a couple of times when I was on the air early on. He's a total idiot. Oh, yeah. Oh, he ran away. He had left the country. Blah, 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 blah. You know, all that crap. Yeah, I understand. Well, the other guy that was uh, was an attorney that Tom D knows named O'Connell, I think. O'Donnell. And, it's Ronald and, uh, McDonald. Yeah, that's I called him Ronald <laughs> call, McDonald. Well, that's what McDonald. I called him, Ronald McDonald, some clown that's an attorney. Well, obviously, the correspondence school he got his law degree from didn't require legal research. Okay. As, uh, Roger. Yes. Gets in. Ronald is a good guy. Ronald Ronald is the one you're talking about. Yeah. People. Well, he's an idiot. Whoever. No, no, I'm not talking about the guy that wrote the book. I'm talking about this attorney that Tom D's locked up with. Ron O'Donnell. Okay. Whatever his name is. Uh, I just don't Roger. waste my time on those kind of people, you know, honestly. Yes. Roger, just, just so you know, this is my feeling. I. I tried to get Ron Avery and you together years ago, Correct. and we were talking on the show, and that's when Brian Howard called in and said, well, I know him. I think he's a good guy. He lives close to me, and that, that was the end of it. But Ron is doing this because his audience is asking him to yeah, do it, not he because me. he really believes in you. He said so much. That's right. And I think. Maybe you can pull him over. It would be nice, if but so, beware. Right. If not, great. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter to me, honestly. It'd be I nice understand. If he, if I just he, want he, you to be prepared. 
Ron won't be an adversary. I mean, he won't be uh, hostile at all. He's very laid back. Um, but you know, he's 75 years old and he don't know what he don't know, but he thinks he knows what he doesn't know. Right. He's offended by people acting as if he doesn't know stuff and he, that he does know, but he doesn't know everything. He asked me in the email, he asked me, he said, can, can we do a video on Skype? Cause I got a video program. I said, okay. I don't like doing video particularly, but okay. Uh, and, uh, he said, could you give me a synopsis? And I just said, yeah, basically, they've set up a scheme where they've tricked us all into being Jim Crow. That's as simple as I know to put it. Okay. I sent him the Matrix docs that are exposed to Matrix. We'll get you there, too. And um, and the Deanna interview. Okay. Oh, well, we'll see if he does his homework. I'm looking forward to meeting the guy. Uh, Mitchell and them were pushing was a debate, and he and Ron says he doesn't want a debate. And I and I also told him Roger does instruction; he doesn't do. Interviews. I mean, all I do here is lay out facts, folks. I bet that's all I've been doing for over twelve years. Nobody's ever disproved a fact I've put out there, to my knowledge. Oh, Roger! One more thing that that Mitchell said. He told Ron that your teacher John Benson. He says Roger said John Benson died in two thousand and seven, but but Tom, the doctor from Utah, uh, said that John Benson's in prison today still. Oh shit! <laughs> so so oh. Ron thinks. You know, automatically, oh, well, Rogers must be lying about this because uh, if, if this doctor called in and said, and he never did, that Tom guy, he knows, he's called you, he's yeah. blind, yeah. he lives in Utah, he's not That's a doctor, correct. he's a pathologist. That's correct. And he said he knew John Benson very well, Personally. but he knows John Benson's dead. Mitchell is a piece of... Is a POS and and he is an a hole and uh, yeah he's a dissenter he's trying to start rabble rousing that's what he is a rabble rouser I'll you welcome welcome we're I, well we got to get off the air here okay so anyway we're I'm gonna click us off right now we'll be back tomorrow see you we're off of Eurofolk three two one.